Sheep. How much do you know about sheep? Well, uh, you live in Wales, presumably. Perhaps you don't. Perhaps you're sitting in the Basque country or uh, in Kenya. I know we have visitors and listeners who tune in from over there. Um, but if you know anything about Wales, you'll know that we have a lot of sheep over here. But perhaps we don't know an awful lot about sheep. I don't really. I've never been a sheep farmer. My father or grandfather were never farmers, as far as I know. But I have been asking in the last couple of weeks questions to those people who do know a bit about sheep. And today the sermon really is about sheep and sheeply things, or really not about the sheep themselves. Mostly it's about the shepherd. We're talking about the good shepherd today. That's what Jesus says he is. So let's look up John chapter 10 and learn some lessons about who Jesus is based on this metaphor, this picture that he gives us of us being sheep and him being shepherds. As we read it, if you're going there, John chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 11. As you read it, um, there are really three things that we're going to look at today. We're going to see the shepherd. We're going to see what he's like. We're going to, we're going to need to admit that we are sheep. And then finally, we're going to need to obey the voice of the shepherd. That's what he calls us to do, to obey the voice of the shepherd. And there's three things within that last one that I want us to see are really, really benefits of what happens when you recognise that Jesus is the shepherd, when you see him and admit that you yourself are a sheep and obey his voice. But John chapter 10, verse 11, let's start there and let me read it to you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he, come, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We'll stop there for now. Jesus is the good shepherd. I wonder if you've ever wanted to have a shepherd. I wonder if you've ever maybe sat in a funeral or flicking through the Bible and thought, I'm going to read myself Psalm 23. Perhaps you've heard it in that funeral, or it's been something that was up on one of those uh, pleasant picture postcard things you would stick on a fridge or something that somebody put in a card. It's it's the psalm that Sammy read at the beginning of the service. Perhaps some of the most famous verses in all of scripture, especially if you're a fan of the Vicar of Dibley, that kind of hit TV show from, from a while ago, which was a big part of my childhood. I'm not going to sing you the theme tune, but maybe you've got it stuck in your head now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful picture. It's actually a picture that's all the way through, well, most of the way through scripture. There are ancient people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They were all shepherds, people who had flocks and herds. Then there was Moses, who was a shepherd of, literally, of sheep for 40 odd years in the wilderness. And then the shepherd of the people of Israel out in the wilderness for another 40 years. Then you get to David eventually, who's famously, he's the little boy out on the fields in the hillside looking after the sheep. When Samuel comes to find the next king, he's not there, he's out looking after sheep, and then he becomes the shepherd of Israel. The shepherd king who beats away enemies, who lifts up little lambs, or is supposed to anyway, and carries people, carries the nation to safety. But actually, it's not really those people who are talked most often, talked of most often as shepherds in the Old Testament. Mostly it's God himself. 
a really classic passage in the Old Testament, all about sheep and shepherds, is Ezekiel 34. I don't think we have time to read it all now, but Ezekiel 34, let me give you a little flavour of it. Ezekiel was a prophet preaching at the time when the people of Israel had been dragged out of their land, Jerusalem had fallen, and they were taken away into exile in Babylon. And he says, the word of the Lord came to me, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, that's the leaders of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you, shepherds of Israel, you only take care of yourselves. Shouldn't shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. And so God is speaking to and, and condemning the behaviour of the people who are supposed to lead the nation. And then he says something really wonderful later on. This is what the sovereign Lord says, still in Exodus 34. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places where they scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I'll bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, in all the settlements in the land. I'll tend them and give them good pasture. The mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. And so on, he talks about, God is speaking, talking about how he's going to be the one who shepherds. And then verse 23 and 24 of Exodus 34 says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant, David. But this is long after the David, David. So somebody's going to come, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. The Lord has spoken. So they're looking forward to, or should have been looking forward to, a shepherd. To God himself, who was the shepherd, who was the one who'd guide them. It was Moses, but really it was God who guided them through the wilderness, who found them water and food in a, in a dry and difficult place. He was the one who started the nation. It was Abraham, but really it was God. He was the one who brought them into being and brought them out of the darkness of the world to be a flock, to be his people. And he was the one who was going to call them together again, who was going to bring sheep from all sorts of places. Did you hear it in the reading? Uh, sheep not of this fold who are going to be brought in to the flock. God is going to do that. And he's going to send his shepherd to do that. And then a man appears, stands up in Israel 2,000 years ago and says, I am the good shepherd. So can you see the shepherd? The shepherd is the God who made us. The one who is the beginning of all things. The one who made this world and cares for this world. Who knows you by name and who loves you. He's the shepherd. Your God is your shepherd and his name is Jesus. He's the good shepherd. There's plenty of other people in history who've been shepherds in Israelites' history, like Moses and Abraham and those people that I mentioned, but also lots of leaders, lots of pagan kings and kings of Assyria and Edom and places like that are called shepherds. Leaders are supposed to be shepherds. Perhaps that's something you could think about as we think about what Jesus is like as a shepherd. Who do you lead? Are you a, a person in business? Are you a family leader, a parent or a grandparent? Do you lead some way in your classroom? or in the playground, or in your sports team, or in your community. There'll be people who are, um, who are in our spheres of influence, who might be a little bit like a flock to us. How might you be a shepherd to the people around you and a, a good shepherd? Well, that's what Jesus is. He's not just the efficient shepherd, or the tidy shepherd, or the get the job done shepherd. 
he's not a hired hand who just does his hours and then clocks out. No, he's the good shepherd. And the word used for good has overtones of beauty and loveliness and nobility. And, and it's not just, you know, a tidy, done a solid job kind of shepherd. No, this is a, a shepherd you could love. A shepherd who's grown up with the sheep like David back in the day, who as soon as he was of age, as soon as he could walk and bear a stick, would be sent out with the flocks, with your older brothers, with uh, the family to look after the shepherd, the sheep. You would grow up with them. You would know them by name. If you gave them names, they would know your voice. You would love the sheep and look after them. And it wouldn't just be a job to you to be a shepherd. And Jesus is that kind of shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who gets in amongst the sheep, who isn't afraid to smell like they smell, to live with them, to sleep right by their sides and keep them safe at night, to take the pain that they suffer, to carry them and put them on his shoulders. This is what he's talking about, isn't it? The good shepherd. What's a good shepherd like? Well, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, shepherding, you might have had the the impression that it was a kind of uh, easy, fluffy, uh, cute, tidy job. If you've looked at Christian art with Jesus in a you know, lovely beard, very nicely combed hair, nice white gown, sitting on a field, tending a little lamb with a, with a halo, it might have given you the impression of shepherding being a kind of tidy, easy, quiet job. But it wasn't. It wasn't for David. It wasn't for Abraham and co. It isn't today. It's a hard job. It takes an awful lot of sweat, an awful lot of grief, an awful lot of effort, and which, okay, maybe we don't have so many wolves and lions out on the hills today, but in David's day, in Jesus' day, there really were wild animals and thieves and people who would threaten the lives of the sheep. And so the shepherd, if he wanted to beat off those threats and get rid of them, he would have to lay his life on the line. He'd have to be a good shepherd who wasn't just in it for the money, who didn't clock out at five o'clock and go home, but who was there all night looking after the sheep, making sure no thieves got in to steal, no wolves got in to bite, no lions got in to tear them apart and that the sheep weren't scattered, but they were together. That's the kind of shepherd Jesus is, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. That's a really important word in that sentence, isn't it? What does it mean that he lays down his life for the sheep? Well, that means he gives his life um, in place of the sheep, that what was going to happen to the sheep happens to him instead. It means that he, he takes on responsibility for them. It means that he, um, he's in it for their benefit, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? That's what you have to do if you're a shepherd. And a wolf comes along, you fight the wolf and beat it away, or it has to get through you somehow to get to the sheep. That what should happen to the sheep if you weren't there would happen to you instead. You're the one who takes that responsibility, who benefits the sheep by your work, by your labor, by your sweat and your blood. And Jesus does it to the end. David won plenty of battles. He slayed Goliath and freed the sheep of Israel. Um, on that famous day you can read about in the old, old stories. But Jesus, well, what is this talking about? There was a day when Jesus went up against his Goliath, when he faced a great snake, a lion, the lion who prowls around and tries to eat up God's sheep, who tries to drag us into to sin and condemnation and death, the one who tries to drag you into doubt and despair, the one who tries to eat you up and take and take and take and never give you the life that he promises you in 
in the sins that we get tempted towards. We have an enemy, death, Satan, sin. We have these enemies, but Jesus laid his life down for us, for the sheep. He says it three times in this little section. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I lay my life down only to take it up again. This is the good news, that Jesus defeated his enemies. That it seemed for a moment like Goliath had beaten him, like death had swallowed him up, like sin had sunk him into hell, like Satan had won. But three days later, after laying down his life for us, Jesus picked his life up again, took it up. He laid it down voluntarily. It wasn't that circumstances had caught him like um, thorns in a thicket and kind of dragged him down into death and, and he couldn't do anything about it. That's not true at all. Jesus says later on that, that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord and I take it up again. Jesus rose again on the third day, which means that death is defeated. There's a path through the valley of the shadow of death now that leads to green pastures. It means that sin is defeated, that Jesus came down and into our rotten, smelly darkness, but he washed it all away. It's gone, it's finished, it's over, so you can be clean. He can pick you up, put you on his shoulders and carry you into his Father's presence to mix up all of our metaphors. Jesus dealt with death and with sin, and with Satan too. He took the lion's teeth. He took the cruel iron of those nails on the cross. And then after they'd done their worst, he walked out of the grave, scarred, but victorious. Isn't that a good shepherd? A shepherd who goes before you into death. A shepherd who defeats that greatest enemy, Satan. A shepherd who will even take all of your mistakes and your sins and the things you even did on purpose all of your darkness, all of your sin, and take it away and deal with it himself and make you clean again. That's a good shepherd and that's who Jesus is. Such a contrast to the, the shepherds we've been hearing about over the last few weeks, if you've been around. Chapter nine, you could read it later if you, if you missed out. John chapter nine, it's the story of a man who was blind. Jesus heals him. It's a wonderful story. But then the religious leaders reject him. He's a little lamb who's just been brought back to health and they throw him out of the flock out of the fold, out of the synagogue, and they shut the door in his face. And the blind man goes and follows Jesus instead. And then Jesus sits down with these religious teachers who shut the door in his face. He sits down with them and he tells them this story. And he's basically saying to them, you're these bad shepherds, the hired hands who are in it for yourselves. You feed yourselves, you scatter the sheep, you leave them at the mercy of, of all these horrible forces and you you think that's the job done. Jesus is the one who grows with us, who knows us by name, who leads us even through death because he died himself. He laid down his life for the sheep. He's just a different kind of shepherd. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he noble? Isn't he a treasure? Isn't he somebody you'd want to follow? Not just an efficient shepherd who gets the job done and then clocks out for the evening but the shepherd who's always here will never leave you or forsake you. So you've got to see the shepherd. I wonder if you can see him. I wonder if you know him for yourself. Uh, but then what do we do? Well, it's all well and good to know about the shepherd in theory, to know that there is a good shepherd somewhere, but how are you doing at practicing the shepherdliness of Jesus? How are you doing at being a sheep? 
at admitting that that's really who you are. That's the implication of this, isn't it? That's who Jesus calls us. He calls us sheep. And I was talking to a shepherd a couple of weeks ago, and he said, um, sheep have two aims in life, or it seems that they do. One is to get themselves killed, and the other one is to get themselves lost if they fail at the first one. That's what sheep tend to do. Try and get them through a gate, and there's always going to be one trying to get himself tangled into a, a barbed wire fence. He told me a story of a guy who brought a prize ram home from the market. Left it in the garden for a while, went and made a cup of tea, I don't know, nipped out for, for a minute, thinking he was safe in the garden. Came back not long later, and the ram had drowned itself in his pond. How did he manage to do that? Why, why would you do it? Sheep seem to have these self-destructive tendencies. Sheep, apparently, if they flip over onto their backs and fall over, can't get up again. They're like turtles. Apparently that's true. Um, sheep are completely reliant on their shepherds. Have you ever heard of a wild sheep? Um, they seem pretty wild, maybe around here, but shepherds take good care of them. Bring them in, make sure they're fed and watered and wormed and um, sheared and all that kind of thing every now and again. Because there is no such thing as a wild sheep. There are wild horses, wild dogs, wild cats. Let most pets free and they'll, um, they'll just go back to their wild nature, but not sheep. Sheep need somebody all the time to save them from themselves, to feed them, to give them everything that they need. And so Jesus says to people, to me and you, just a few chapters later in John 15, he says, without me, you can do nothing. I wonder if you know that to be true and I wonder if you've admitted that. I wonder if you recognize that every day your daily bread comes straight from the hand of your shepherd that absolutely everything you have is utterly reliant on Jesus. That he's the shepherd who provides, well, think of anything in the world and he's the one who's provided it. Think of anything that you need, need to get through the day, he's the one who gives it. Think of any hope that you have for the future, he's the one who wraps it up and, and will give it to you if it's something that's good for you. See, everything that we have, everything that we are is completely reliant on him. So will you admit that you're a sheep? That takes humility. It takes, um, it takes a, a bit of courage, I think, doesn't it? To recognize that we aren't self-made people, that we really are weak. It takes a lot of courage to lay down our um, impressions, our desires, our feelings of strength and of control and say, Lord Jesus, really, I'm a sheep. If I were left to my own devices, I would, I would get lost and I'd, I'd end up getting myself killed. I'm a sheep. I wonder if you've admitted that. Well, what do you do once you admit it? Re recognize that it takes a lot of humility and courage, but it'll lead you to glory. What kind of glory? Well, the glory of knowing him as your shepherd, the one who loves you. Did you hear these beautiful words? He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you're not just an employee shepherd, but if you're the one who owns those sheep and who's grown up with those sheep, then they're everything to you. They're literally your livelihood. They're the ones who are your hope and your future. They're your wealth, they're your treasure. And Jesus is somebody, the good shepherd, who treasures his sheep. You're his glory. You're the one he loves above all. He doesn't need you. He's the I am, remember? I am who I am, self-existent, needing nothing. And yet he wants you and loves you and has tied his glory, his joy into your glory and your joy. Everything that he has, he gives to you. And everything that you have, he gladly takes on and gladly holds you up in your obedience, in your goodness, in your progress, in, 
in your struggling weakness, he holds you up and he says, look at my precious lamb. Look at my precious son, my precious daughter. I was glad to die for you. I'm so glad you're not lost anymore. I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad you're not on your way to death anymore. I'm so glad to give you life. I'm so glad that I snatched you out of Satan's teeth and brought you into my arms as my sheep. You see, there's great humility and courage needed to admit you're a sheep, but there's great glory as well. There's great glory. And so what do we do when you see the shepherd, when you have admitted that you're a sheep and that you need him, when you want him above all, to follow him and know him and and be his treasured possession? Well, then you want to obey him, don't you? You want to follow him everywhere that he goes. And that's a hard thing. I wonder if maybe this afternoon you could write a list of every area of your life. Um, Money, body, uh, employment, or um, hobbies, or free time, leisure time, family, friends, all the different elements and parts of your life, as many as you can think of, and ask yourself a couple of questions. Am I obeying all that he says in this area? Am I following my shepherd with my body? Am I following my shepherd with my money? Am I following my shepherd in my family? What does that look like for you? Am I following my shepherd with my neighbours? Am I following my shepherd with the television that I watch or don't watch? Am I following my neighbour with the books that I read, with the places that I go, with, I don't know, there's all sorts of things that could be in your life. Are you following the shepherd's voice, hearing what he's saying to you and listening to him, being obedient to him in all of those areas? Um, And are you thanking him for the things that he's brought to you? Because even when they're hard, even when he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, he knows what he's doing and we can thank him for it. We can thank him that he's with us through it and thank him for what he's doing in us through that darkness. Even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't seem to make an awful lot of sense, we can rest in the obedience of the shepherd, our obedience to him and his obedience to his father for us. He's the good shepherd. You can trust him. So are you obedient to him in every area of your life? That's a really hard thing. Another way to put that is, can you make eye contact with Jesus? Whatever you're doing this afternoon, whatever it was you were doing last night, whatever it is that you plan to spend your time and your money on this week, can you make eye contact with your shepherd as you're doing those things? If you can't, if it's something you want to kind of push him out of, keep him behind the door, then then we need to go back to the shepherd and see him again. We need to recognise that we're in real danger if we're wandering from him. That he's the good shepherd who knows the way. And that when he's leading us through a way that seems difficult and tricky, he really does know best. And we need to obey him in that. I wonder what it is he's leading you to do. It might be very different to what he's asked me to do this week or the person sitting next to you. I think you probably know that if you're one of his sheep, you'll know his voice. You'll know what he's calling you to do. Well, obey it. Listen to him and it'll, it'll bring you joy. It really will because he's the good shepherd. Not just the efficient shepherd, not just the one who knows what's best in a cold kind of way, but the shepherd who's beautiful, who's noble, who knows the way even through death and he's going to lead you. So follow him. Be obedient to him. Don't be afraid. Three things that happen from this passage when you obey. Well, one, you can, you can be at rest, right? You can take a sigh of relief and be safe with him. Whatever you've done, He sees you and he knows you. He sees you to the bottom. This is a beautiful phrase from Tim Keller. He sees you to the bottom and he loves you to the skies. 
He knows his sheep and you know him. So take a breath. He died for you. He is glad to save you. He's glad to run hundreds of miles, pick you up out of that thorn bush and carry you home. He's glad to do it. He loves you. So rest in him. That's the first thing. When you come to obey and admit you're a sheep and see him as your own shepherd, then you can rest and then you can know who you really are. Did you spot that? He knows his sheep by name. That's actually in the beginning of chapter 10. It says he'll call them by name. They'll recognize his voice. They won't recognize a stranger's voice, but he'll call them by name and lead them out to good pasture. He'll call you by name and your name is who you really are. I wonder if you've ever had that experience in work or in a place where you just felt a bit lost and then somebody called your name and you had a friend. Or somebody name dropped you um, and you felt a little bit kind of built up and encouraged. Somebody, when they call your name, they name you. They write about you or they write to you or they remember you by name. It's a beautiful thing. And, and did you know that the God who made all the universe this world of billions of people now and billions of people past and future and he knows you by name and every hair on your head you're his little lamb so listen to his voice come and rest in him and find out who you really are find out who who you are in him and then the third thing is that you'll belong you come to the fold did you hear that i must bring other sheep too i have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold i must bring them also they'll listen to my voice and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. So come to Jesus, obey his voice. Admit you're a sheep, obey his voice. Look to your shepherd and you'll know who you really are. You'll come to be able to rest in him and with other people too. There'll be rest in the flock of Jesus as you come to belong in one flock together that stretches all the way around the world. We're a little pen within that flock here in Ammonford. If you're not in our church, well, I'd love it for you to come and visit or for you to come and get fully involved, for you to come and belong with us because that's what Jesus has made it possible for us to do. Our good shepherd has come to lay down his life, to beat death, to forge a path through, to beat Satan, to pull out his teeth so he's no threat to you anymore, to bring you and make you clean from sin and bring you to his father and present you as his precious, beloved little lamb. He loves you. So would you admit that you're a sheep and, and just fall into his arms? Would you be obedient to him in every part of your life? Walk on his path, follow him, follow him. Come and know who you are. Come and do that following with other people and belong to this community, this flock of sheep who love him. And come and rest in the Saviour. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to do that. We want to have rest in our souls, in our bones. We know that we're sheep. Lord, we are exhausted of trying to rescue ourselves, trying to feed ourselves, trying to find our own way, trying to ignore death, trying to answer Satan on our own strength, trying to deal with our own sins. Lord, it's exhausting. And so we come to you and ask that you would help us to just admit that we're sheep who need everything from you. Lord, you're so gracious to us to give us everything we need. And so we pray that you help us to follow you, to love you as you deserve to be loved. Lord, as you've loved us, help us just to begin to love you as you pour your love into our hearts. Lord, we want you to be our shepherd. And so we ask that you help us to follow you obediently all the days of our life and know the joy of walking with you. Amen.